St. Augustine is known as the oldest town on continental USA. It was founded by Spanish explorers in 1565, and the city served as the capital of Spanish Florida for over 200 years. Not many people know that. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. Let's go back to those 80s again and my second assignment with Quoni Travel, which was a whole series of Florida round trips. We offered the simple version, which was just one week, and it included two nights in Miami, three nights in Orlando, one night in Sarasota and one night on Marco Island. And then we had the luxury version, which was two weeks. And it, of course, also started in Miami. But then we got a night in the north in St. Augustine and then went down to Orlando, of course, one night in Clearwater and again to Marco Island and then all the way down to Key West, which was definitely one of my favorite places. I loved both trips. But I liked the one-week tour more because we had more opportunities to earn lots of money. Miami was a bit of a disappointment because during the small trips, we were staying at the Holiday Inn Hollywood, which was already quite far outside Miami. Whereas during the two weeks tour, we stayed at the Sheraton Bell Harbor in Miami Beach, which was opposite the Bell Harbor shopping mall. And I used the opportunity to go to the hairdressers. Carmi, I wonder if it still exists, was probably the most expensive hairdresser I have ever been to in my life. But it was worth it. They did a great job. And we earned lots of money in America. Our stay in Miami included a city tour, of course. We always pointed out Al Capone's house. We showed Millionaire's Row, Ocean Drive, Little Havana, Coconut Grove, and we stopped for shopping at the Bayside Shopping Center. And when I was on a two weeks tour and we stayed in Key Biscayne, I used to organize a dinner at the place called the Rusty Pelican, which had been recommended to me by my beautiful friend Francisca, who was living in Miami at the time and still is. She had come to Florida for the same reasons as I had, to be a tour guide, but she was a nurse by profession and continued studying to become a certified air ambulance nurse. She is also one of my lifelong friends from the tour guiding years, and I'm hoping to have her as my podcast guest because an air ambulance nurse has a lot of most memorable journeys to talk about. I am not such a huge fan of Miami, but to be honest, I never really stayed long enough to properly learn to appreciate it. And maybe I should go back and spend some time. I remember that I got by much better by speaking Spanish than English because there were so many people from especially Cuba and other Spanish-speaking countries living there. And it was a mix of interesting people. Miami is a unique and exciting mix of hip urban culture and then the laid-back seaside vibes. And of course... Latin and U.S. traditions. And Miami is home to the world's largest collection of Art Deco architecture. On the way north towards the Kennedy Space Center, we used to drive through Palm Beach and point out all the expensive houses and who they belonged to. And even then, we showed Mar-a-Lago, which already then belonged to Donald Trump. On the way, I used to talk about Florida's history 
And because we went past the Breakers Hotel in Palm Beach, the name Henry Morrison Flagler came up. He had earned his fortune as a founding partner of Standard Oil together with Rockefeller, and he played a big role in the development of Florida's East Coast. He was responsible for building the Florida East Coast Railway all the way from Daytona to Key West. Imagine there was a train going to Key West at the beginning of the 20th century. And this railway, of course, helped transport all the citrus fruit from Florida north and people could travel south. The snowbirds are not a new invention. People already were seeking the sun in the 19th century. And Flagler also built hotels, the first one in St. Augustine, which is now the Flagler College. So driving up north on the, what was it, A95. And after our stay in Miami, the first big stop was the Kennedy Space Center, which always fascinated me. We used to be taken on two hours guided tour to see the grounds and the rockets. There was a rocket garden and the shuttles and whatever else was important. And it was also at the Kennedy Space Center where I had my first IMAX experience. I had never seen such a huge screen. And especially what they showed at Kennedy Space Center, one felt like really being in this space shuttle yourself and flying around planet Earth. People used to come out of this theater feeling dizzy and awed. It was just so amazing. Of course, today there are so many more IMAX theaters, but at the time it was, I may have been one of the first, I believe. And then after the visit of the Kennedy Space Center, we were driving to either Orlando on the short tour, but on the long tour, we had to go to St. Augustine, which was usually a little painful because people were tired and jet lagged because it was their one of their first days of the tour. And we only had one day in St. Augustine, which is a shame. I don't know who made that program, but that's a different story. St. Augustine is known as the oldest town on continental USA, way before the Pilgrim landed on Plymouth Rock. It was founded by Spanish explorers in 1565, and the city served as the capital of Spanish Florida for over 200 years. Not many people know that. Do you know what the capital of Florida is? Most people, I think, would just guess that it's Miami, but it's not. It's Tallahassee. So the time in St. Augustine was too short, but the place is beautiful. It's like a little bit of an old Spanish village or town. So then we were driving back down south and we stopped at the Daytona Speedway, which is a racetrack on uh, Daytona Beach. And we used to give $20 to the guard and at the entrance and they would let us in with the bus and we would drive around the speedway with our Greyhound bus and people loved it and screamed when the bus was about nearly about to turn over. I'm sure that has changed too. I read somewhere that there are guided tours now, but at the time we just drove around it ourselves. And then coming back down, we arrived in Orlando, which is like a huge playground for adults and children. 
of course, it's also a big convention center, but um, it is mainly known for all the attractions and parks and places to visit. And of course, the first day we used to spend at the Magic Kingdom, which was indeed magic for everyone. I used to watch grown-ups get emotional when Mickey or Minnie or Goofy came to hug them. Of course, I knew the best places to stop for coffee when all the Disney characters were around to tease people and get them up to dance with them. Going there with children was the ultimate experience and they absolutely loved every moment. Children live in the moment and believe in fairy tales. I am pretty sure that those kids who were hugged by Mickey or Minnie actually believed that it was them. The parents used to thank me because they thought that I had arranged for the characters to be at the coffee shop at the time because I used to tell them that we're going for coffee now and then there will be a surprise. And of course, I knew the time when those uh, characters would dance. I had taken so many kids to Disney World in Florida and Disneyland in Anaheim that the first long distance holiday with my own children was to Florida and to Orlando, of course, because I wanted to see all this excitement in my kids' eyes as well. I used to do a guided tour in the morning because especially in the summer month, these parks were extremely packed and I had learned how to avoid some of the worst lines. And once we had done the most important attractions, people had time to go off on their own. And I had time to find one of my favorite places to sleep. Yes, I knew the best benches in the whole of Disney World to have a good afternoon nap. Or sometimes a swim at the Contemporary Hotel. Some of the security officers told me off because, you know, I shouldn't use a whole bench just for myself. But I used to tell them my tired tour guide sob story and that I needed to be fit again to take my clients to Charlie's Steakhouse in the evening, which is probably one of the best steakhouses in the world. And I wonder if it's still there. I even remember the address. Maybe I should Google it and check. It's on Orange Blossom Trial and I can smell the steaks from here. Another optional excursion in Orlando, which we organized, was spending the evening at Church Street Station, which is a beautiful historical event venue and home to some of Orlando's top bars and restaurants and ideal for a fun night out. Our guests usually didn't speak much English and they were grateful for everything extra we organized for them. These evening excursions were extra income for us. It was a win-win situation. We kept our tour group guests happy and made lots of money with it. And they were pleased. And because we had given our own time and organized extra stuff for them, the tips that they gave us at the end were even bigger. There was so much to do in Orlando. And of course, Epcot Center was also a must to visit. There too, I knew the best places to sleep. But I used to enjoy going around all the different countries in the afternoon, the countries around the lake, like maybe have lunch in Sweden and dessert in Germany. And then, of course, in the evening, we would go back to the Epcot Center to watch the fireworks and the laser show. 
I once read, and that's I'm talking about 30 years ago, that the Disney company spent $100,000 on fireworks every night. And I'm sure that price has gone up in the meantime. Did you know how the whole Disney business started? Walt Disney used to take his two daughters to the Griffith Park in Los Angeles and watch them play and enjoy the merry-go-round and the, the, the things that they could play on. And there he thought that it would be fun to create something where adults could have a good time too and enjoy themselves as well. And that's how he created Disneyland in Anaheim which opened, Anaheim is in California, and Disneyland opened in 1955. And of course, then he bought land or the Disney company bought land in Florida and created this huge place, which is absolutely amazing and perfectly organized. Now, depending on our trips, we spent another day in Orlando, like going to SeaWorld, or in 1989, also the MGM Studios opened. Or then some of my clients just took time off and spent the day shopping on International Drive, or in one of the nearby malls or at the pool. Sometimes people were tired during those trips. We, of course, had all sorts of incidents during these tours. I had a client one of my first tours, who started having nosebleed shortly after we left Miami. And while I was waiting at the Kennedy Space Center for the guided tour to end, I heard my name on the loudspeaker and I was taken by a car to the rocket garden with a doctor because she needed a translator and a doctor at the same time. And of course, people also used to lose things all over the place. And you can imagine in a place like Disney World, with, I don't know how many millions of visitors a day. It was hard to find stuff, but to my huge surprise, many things that had been lost turned up at the central lost and found office. And I have a personal story on a personal note. When I visited Orlando many years later with my own children, my daughter Natalie left her little handbag in a restaurant. She had bought this beautiful little bag at Gap in Miami and she had kept her pocket money in there, which she had saved for Disney World. And on the first evening in the resort, we had dinner in one of the restaurants. And when we went back to the room, she reluctantly informed me that she had left her bag behind. I immediately rushed back, but of course it wasn't there anymore. And you can imagine her huge sadness and disappointment. And there wasn't much hope in such a huge place to ever find it again. But being the tour guide that I had been, I contacted Lost and Found and reported the loss. And they gave me a case number to which I could refer in the days to come. And find out if anything had been handed in. And imagine that on day four of our stay, the message light on the phone in our room was blinking. And it was a message from Lost and Found. The handbag had been handed in the same night. But of course, with all the administration had only arrived at their office on this day. And we could pick it up. There it was with all its content, all the money, 
and the little wallet. And you can imagine the joy of this little girl when she got her handbag back. I know that in the meantime, Orlando has grown even more and there is so much more to do. Even at the time, 30 years ago, I was overwhelmed with all the offer. So I I think now one would have to spend two weeks there to see everything. Of course, after all this hectic time in Orlando, we needed some rest. And I loved spending a night in Clearwater or in Sarasota on the West Coast, because the West Coast of Florida is on the Gulf of Mexico, and it's much warmer water. The sea is much warmer than the Atlantic on the East Coast. And after this hectic stay in Orlando, going to the West Coast was relaxing and felt like a beach holiday. Between the overnights in Sarasota and Marco Island, we used to visit the Edison Winter Estate, which was a museum with an amazing botanical garden where Thomas Alva Edison had planted flowers and shrubs and trees from all over the world. I was so impressed by those banyan trees and of course also by the plants that had been used for industrial purposes. For example, the bamboo that was used in the light bulb, like the filament that was used in the light bulb when Edison invented it or perfected it, was made of bamboo. And of course, the rubber trees, which were used for Henry Ford's car tires. Because Edison's neighbor was Henry Ford, they were lifelong friends. And there were also some cars exhibited on the estate. The museum showed, of course, how Edison had partly invented and perfected the light bulb and that he had done hundreds of trials until it finally worked. Edison's lab was full of bottles and beakers, flasks, test tubes and cylinders of all sizes and shapes. He also invented other stuff. Edison invented the phonograph. And at that museum, that really made an impression on me. You can see Edison's bite marks on the frames of these phonographs because... Edison was almost completely deaf and he heard his phonographs by feeling sound waves vibrating through his teeth. For me, Thomas Alva Edison is the inspiration to never give up. He always said that he didn't fail, but he just found out how not to do something. And this is so true. We only fail when we give up. I googled the uh, Edison estate and I saw that they merged, that it's now called Edison and Ford Winter Estates. And it's definitely a very, very interesting place to visit because of the museum, museum, but also because of the botanical garden. It's very beautiful. On the way to Marco Island, after the Edison Museum visit, we used to have a shopping and kind of a late lunch stop at the Edison Mall. And I used to stroll and look and buy something new to wear. Or I used to read, I don't know, all sorts of books because I used to wait, spend a lot of time waiting for my clients. And one day I was in this bookstore and picked up this book called The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. Remember, in 1989, nobody was talking about personal development 
that much, really. I didn't know that I had a conscious and a subconscious mind. And when I started reading this book, I was fascinated and I couldn't stop reading all night. It was kind of a life-changing moment and it was probably the beginning of my lifelong journey as a life coach and an NLP practitioner and hypnotherapist because that was the beginning of understanding the power of the subconscious mind. It changed everything for me. And isn't it funny how we remember where and when some of these things happened that completely changed our views and our lives? And then, of course, I also loved the Marco Beach Hilton, which was on a little island surrounded by white, beautiful beaches. We never really had enough time to enjoy it. And, um, you know, just had a swim in the evening and then left the next morning. But the tour guide always got an upgrade to a suite. And even if we only spent one night there, it made me feel rich. And as I mentioned before, I had developed a liking for nice hotels. When I thought back of where I grew up, sharing a room with two other people in a house without heating, as an unwanted child who initially nobody wanted, I had come a long way in my suite at the Marco Beach Hilton, and I was so grateful for all this luxury. On the short one-week trip, the next day we drove through the Everglades and did an alligator chase airboat tour, which is like a funny thing to do. And those drivers are really funny. They love showing the swamps and the birds and the gators. And one of the people I knew there after a while, he had a snake called Charlie. And we had an agreement that as soon as the bus arrived... He would come out and put Charlie around my neck, even though I'm not so keen on snakes, but I wanted to impress my tour group. So the people on the bus were awed and everybody got a chance to take a picture with Charlie. The Everglades are a national park and a wetland preserve, and it's kind of grassy. It's like a slow-moving river made up of coastal mangroves and sawgrass and like pine flatwoods. It is home to hundreds of animals, but our guests were mostly interested in the alligators, which were a little scary to look at from that flat airboat. But, um, you know, nothing ever happened. It was all always very safe. And our visits ended with an alligator wrestling show, which was always a little bit over the top. People loved it. The fact is that the whole of South Florida was a mangrove swamp and the land where Miami is and Miami Beach is mostly man-made. On our two weeks tour, we went to Key West and just the drive there is an amazing experience. All the bridges and all the beautiful sea, the blue that you can see on the way there. There's a different vibe in Key West. It's a bit like the Caribbean or basically it is just 99 miles away from Cuba. And there is a holiday feeling in Key West and so many nice places to eat, bars and restaurants. And of course, we always visited the Ernest Hemingway home. And it's from there where I actually started being interested in his writing and reading lots of his book and also finding out about the way he lived and being impressed with all the cats that he kept. They were, I mean, not the same cats, but there were so many cats around his house. And a few years later, I actually also visited the bars he used to go to in Havana because he's li he lived in Key West and in Cuba and in Spain and in many other places. 
So anyway, your doing these tours in Florida was my introduction to working on round trips in the U.S. And it's actually where I learned to be entrepreneurial because I realized that it was entirely up to me how much time I wanted to invest in organizing extras. And it's also where I realized how much extra money one could earn by investing more time and inventing new events. I became more confident and also more bold. I also made a deal with the tour guides department with the head office in Zurich during my time in Florida. Because after eight weeks of nonstop working, I was supposed to fly to Switzerland for two weeks to relax. But there was another two weeks tour confirmed during that time when I was supposed to be away. And they couldn't find anybody else to accompany this tour. And they begged me to stay, to skip my holiday. First, I said no. I said I needed a break and I needed to get away. And then... They told me that if I stayed, I could choose any tour that I wanted of the program of Kwoni. So I thought, wow, that sounds interesting. So I stayed and I told them that as soon as I was done with all the other trips that I had been assigned to, I will want to go to Australia in the winter. And they said yes. But of course, before that, I had other places to go to in the US, but more about that in the next episodes, because there is still so much more to talk about. I have only just started in the US and I have been to most places that are worth visiting there. If you are enjoying my podcast, please subscribe, like and share it with your friends. Tell the whole world about it. If you like what you hear and you want to know more about what I do, check out my website www.thesoulkit.com.